Enough of that. Let's go to the book of James for a moment uh, for our time together here this morning. Unless anybody else has anything else you need to add. <laughs> Just remember to check the website as far as the, what this weather goes. Um, we're in chapter 1 of James. I've just been going through this book of James, and I'm going to start reading in verse 19. We already looked at this a week or two ago, but coming to verse 21 for today. But let me start reading in verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And then here's the verse that I want to focus on for today. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you or which can save your souls. <clears throat> it's a very, very simple uh, idea, a very simple verse. Every, it's, it's just a black and white. It's a, divi- a division. He says, get rid of this over here. And receive or embrace this over here. Uh, let this go and hang on to this. So it's, a, it's, it's just a very, a, very simple, uh, a very simple message. If it's evil, get rid of it. If it's God and His message and by the word here, I'm not sure that it means the the Bible that's talking about Genesis through Revelation, as much as the Gospel, the message through which we understand God's plan and His way to save us. Uh, it is the Word, but I, I'm, I'm simply saying it's, it's the specific Word of God that we have that, through which we understand how we can be saved. That That's what we hang on to, and the other part we let go of. Now, Before I get into a few of these words, I want to mention something that I put here in your sermon notes a little bit. It seems like, if you just read it, it may seem like, or you might be tempted to think, uh, that it's saying, you've got to clean up your life and then God will save you. Because it says, "Get get rid of the junk and let God save you. And it could be, I think we could be tempted to think from that, that that's how it has to happen in sequence. Like, if I want to be in heaven, i got to get rid of enough of the bad stuff that God will be so impressed that He will take me to heaven and He will save me. As if I do this first, I earn somehow my way, and then He will give me my reward. And I will tell you, I've heard that so many, many times. I, I guess hundreds of times I've probably heard people say something like, well, I just want to be a good person. I just hope I'm a good enough person to get to heaven. I've heard that so many times. And I realize this is a philosophy of life that, or a temptation that's put before us as human beings to, that's prevalent. It's everywhere. To, it's, it's deep-seated. It's a very tempting thing to think, well, I have to somehow earn my way to heaven. And so, Therefore, uh, you know, the only thing that's going to impress God is if I get rid of the evil and I turn away from Satan. So I have to clean myself up so that he can save me. Um, I understand that's our temptation. I want to make sure you understand this is not talking about a sequence. One, 
in, like, here's number one, and then here's number two. These things actually may happen all in the same second. You know, in one moment of time, I make a decision that changes my life away from a life of sinfulness or a, a life of evil, a, a life that's um, self-centered, a life that is um, wicked, and turns it towards God. It's not that, it's, it's not so much that after I've cleaned up myself, God will move in. It's, it's that He understands that this is the desire of my heart, this is the intention of my heart, this is motive of my heart, I'm crying out to Him and to be saved at the same time that I'm doing, that I'm realizing and turning away from sin. And I'm, I'm simply saying, it's not a matter of sequence. It's just that these are the two ingredients. And, and both of these are real. You know, I remember, I remember in, in my own life, I was six years old, when I made the decision, and I, I knew, I knew with no doubt whatsoever that something had happened in me, and it's never gone away, it's never changed. I've never doubted it for one moment of time from that day that God had saved me, that, that God had forgiven my sins. Even though I've sinned plenty, even since that time, I know that there was something happened that, in which He saved me, He saved my soul. I have, I have never had any doubt about that. And, but it wasn't that I was able to get rid of every sin and make myself morally perfect, and then He did that. And I just want to make sure that we understand it's, it's not a sequential thing, even though you could almost make it, you, you could almost be tempted to think that when you read it. It says to do this and receive the word which is able to save your soul. But it's, it's you know, um, let me back up here a second. There, the Bible uses the term repentance. And, uh, and that means that you change the direction of your life. The, the Hebrew word, the Old Testament word that's used often or translated often repentance is the word shuv, S-H-U-B, or in English it might be a V, it's a soft B sound. And... Uh, and it, it's, it's the idea that somebody's walking down a road this way, and for whatever reason, they turn and they pivot and they go back this way. I, I remember in the old days when I was taking Hebrew class and vocabulary, that the way I remembered this word shuv was, I related it with the word shove. And I pictured some guy walking down the road this way, and somebody shoved him back this way. And it helped me to remember what the... You know, what the idea that word. That's what happened to me when I was a child. Uh, I, I, I made a direction, that I, I made a change of, of direction that I wanted to go this way. And that's what God honors. Not, not that I have become morally perfect or upright, or that I never need to be, have anything forgiven. It's, but it's the intention of my heart that God sees and that He, that he honors. Now, um, he mentions the word that you, you, let me go back here, you accept or receive the word planted in you. I want to just mention that for a second. In verse 18, right, uh, two verses back, he talks about that God creates you, uh, creates a new person through the word. And I, I think that, this is how I see it, I just want to explain it for a moment, that the first one is more from God's point of view. God comes to live within us and plants a, 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 a new 
entity, a new reality within us, which is his nature. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new person. This is what Jesus called the new birth um, or new identity. And it kind of represents the potential of my life. The word of God makes something possible. And it gives birth to this, this potential, this possibility of a new person. That's what it's talking about in verse 18. Here in verse 21, it's more from my point of view. And that God has now planted that within me. Now my behavior can be different. And my ideas and, and, and can, be behavior, can be different. So it's not just the potential. It's now the power within me has changed and become different. And so I just want to point that out. And I want to mention this also. If you are looking at different uh, translations, you may, you may see this. Um, the New International Version here says in verse 21, Accept the word planted in you which can save you. Some, people, some translations says can save your soul. And I thought, well, maybe you may wonder why, why do some read to save you and some read to save your soul? What's the difference? There is no difference, really. It's, uh, it's simply how the translators chose to, to, to bring across that phrase. But I want to just mention this so that, so that we're clear. You know, we all have a body. And the body is, is, is kind of where we live at. The body isn't me, but it's the way that I'm able to experience the world. So I woke up this morning and I said... It is on the wrong side of 32. I can tell you that. My body sensed that in the world in which I live, the temperature was cold. So your body is your, is your link to where you live. Your mind is the link to understanding and, and comprehending the world. But your soul is just you. So you have a place to live. You have a way of thinking. But you are you. And you are what Christ died for, and you are what is going to heaven. When we are set free from our body, we're going to be the same exact person. You will, you will be no different in your identity on that, on that day than you are right now. Except you won't have to live anywhere. You won't have this body in which you have to live. But so when it's saying that God is able through the word to save you, or save your soul. It's really saying the very same thing. Now, uh, I want to focus in for just a little bit. Are you okay? Are you awake? Or you want me to stop and sing a song so we can get... I'll get you awake. See, I have a problem. I slip my, my, when I preach, people, it, it just puts people to sleep. I've got to do something to wake them back. I tell people all the time, they say, yeah, I have trouble sleeping, I have trouble sleeping. I say, get a tape of my sermon. You don't, you don't need to take those sleeping pills anymore, I can tell you that. <clears throat> this idea of getting rid of one thing and accepting or receiving the, the other thing is so central. I want to just illustrate it a couple ways. I want to just think about this for, for a moment. The word itself uh, to get rid of is used in the New Testament a number of times. Um, it sometimes it's translated put off. Some, Paul says put off the old man, put off your wrath and malice and anger and hatred and, and, and um, revenge and, and all that. Put it off like you're just taking a coat off. 
put in the closet. It's translated put off. It's translated lay down. It's translated set aside. Hebrews 12.1 says, uh, since we have so many cloud, cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every sin and every weight that would entangle us and run with patience the race that is set before you, looking to Jesus, the, the, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the glory of God. That same word, it's the exact same word, put it aside, lay it down, cut it off, uh, separate it off, get rid of it. That's, the, that's a very clear term. Okay. Anything, he says, that is, is evil. The NIV translates one of the words moral filth. Like the, the, the filter thing. It's, it's sand, it's mud, it's debris, it's chemicals, whatever. It's, it's no good. Then, get rid of it. Set it aside. I want to just take a moment and, and think about the implications of it and, and try to sort of illustrate it. The first idea has to do with the capacity of our human heart. Our human heart, I'm going to just compare it to one of these tiny houses. Um, I never lived in a, in a house quite this tiny, although I did uh, for a couple summers when I was in school. I lived in a, a camper that wasn't a whole lot bigger than this, but it was just me, so I was okay. But there are people who live in these kind of little tiny houses. Ed's got a little tiny barn out of his place, probably about that size, but... I guess it's a, it's a retreat in case Trudy kicks him out. He's got a place to go. But, but here's, my, here's my point. This is my thought. If you live in a house like this, uh, you probably really shouldn't be a hoarder. You know? I mean, if you live in a, a, a castle that covers half an acre, you could, maybe you could be a hoarder. You can be a little eccentric and you can keep everything, but when you live, when you live in a, a very tiny place, right along very regularly, you're going to have to make a decision uh, about many things. Do I, can I keep this or does this got to go? And, and so the point that I want to make is that, that, that James is saying, look, get rid of this and hang on to this. What he's saying is basically, look... There's not room for both in your life. You know, a hoarder, God bless you, I'm sure none of you would be hoarders, and I'm sure of that. But <laughs> don't look at her, don't look at each other. Uh, the, the problem with a hoarder or with a spiritual, cultural, moral person that wants to be a hoarder is they think, well, I just gotta, I, I just want to accept everything. I just want to believe everything. I want to go along with everybody. I want to keep everybody happy. I don't want to make a choice and say, I don't believe that. I don't want to make a choice and it's wrong. I just want to be, go in with the crowd. So I'll just grab a little bit of everything and I'll just hang on to a little bit of everything. And, and James is saying you can't do that. The human heart is a tiny house. Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua 24 said to his people, choose today who you will serve. You've got to make a choice. You can't serve everybody. Jesus said it like this in the Sermon on the Mount. Nobody can serve two masters. You've you got to decide which one you want, which one you believe is going to take you where you want to go, and, and you've got to dance with, with him. 
Your, your house is too tiny to have a guest from all over the place. So the, the issue that James is giving to us, one of these issues is we've got to choose. We have to choose. Um, when he says get rid of the filth and hang on to, uh, let the word of God give you eternal life, then he's saying you don't, you don't have to like it, but you cannot avoid making a choice. And this is life. We have to make a choice. This is the point that Jesus gave to us over and over. And if you think that you don't want to make a choice, you are thereby making a choice just how it is. Here's a different way to illustrate the same thing. I know this picture is gross. Uh, in the first service when uh, Brandon Noel was running the computer back here, when he saw it, I think he about passed out. He said, <laughs> he said what is that? I said, I think it's earwax. I'm not positive, but it's, it's pretty gross looking. But... Here's the, here's, the, here's the point. Another way of illustrating it. Sometimes you've got to get rid of something. First, my first point was you've got to choose. You know, that there, there, you don't have but so much room. If I could say it, if I could say it differently, I'd say it like this. Sometimes you, gotta, you have to remove something. And what made me think of this is this particular word, this Greek word there in the book of James, um, the word is uh, apotithomy. It, it means, or it's used in the Greek, in Greek culture, it is used to remove wax from the ear, like, like you're getting rid of earwax. And here's why. Here's exactly why, why earwax has to go. If it blocks the sound from you from a, from a truck or a train, it could kill you. Same, no different than cancer, no different than sugar diabetes or poor circulation or some other reason why people get a leg amputated or an arm amputated or a, 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 a tumor taken out of them or anything else. It, it basically, it's the choice is get rid of this thing or it's going to get rid of you. you. You remove this or you're going to die. James is saying remove it. I just I, I, I had curiosity. Just wondering. I wonder how many of you, if a doc said to you, uh, if I take your arm off, it could save your life. It can save your life. But if I don't, you know, the situation here is this grave. If we don't, if we don't amputate this arm, you're going to die. I wonder how many of you would say, yeah, take it off. Just out of curiosity. Go ahead, take my arm off. If that's what, it, it's interesting. Think about it, isn't it? I mean, I hope and pray none of you ever have to make that decision, but reality is people do make that decision every day. It's a horrible decision, but it's a necessity. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you've got to remove something because if you leave it there, it's going to kill you. James said, remove it. This, this evil, uh, the, the word apotithomy, the first part, Apo means off. C cut it off. Remove it from remove it from you. So the idea of the tiny house is there's just not room. The idea of this threat is it's not only just not room, but if you let it stay there, it will destroy you. Uh, and that's this word. Here's a third that I want to just mention. And this is a picture, hopefully, of a of a happy marriage, but we can't know that for sure. Because every marriage has, at times, its conflicts and its competitions and ideas that 
even though the couple may love each other like crazy and they may get along well, at the same time they may have a whole lot of differences of, of how they do things and what they think and how they approach things. Um, Cindy and I was, uh, over Christmas break, put a puzzle together. And it's always a fun thing for us because our techniques are so different. I start at a corner and I put in this piece and then I look and look till I find the next piece. I mean, I just go, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't last five, five seconds with that. She goes, she finds a flower, all the yellows, or here's a tree, and she puts all that together. The result is I don't ever get to put anything fun together because I'm plodding along here, you know, in the, in the, the black of the water or whatever it is. But it's just funny. We have these different, as any married couple does, we have very different strategies, and we have different ideas about how to do things. That's all right. As long as there's a commitment. But if there isn't a commitment, then the things are going to come apart. A marriage is bringing together like two different uh, streams of water. It's bringing together different relationships. It's bringing together past priorities and all these things. And if that thing is going to work, there has to be a commitment uh, that that I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep working on this. Okay, so to come back to the to come back to the get rid of the of the of the junk and hang on to the Word of God. All my life, all your life, you're going to be tempted to just give up and quit. All your all your life, you're going to be tempted to say, "Well, maybe it's evil, but it's fun." Uh, or maybe you will fall, or maybe you will uh, fall to a temptation. Well, what now? Well, just like marriage. You've got to go back to where you started. You go back to that husband or that wife and say, I asked for forgiveness. I got off the path. I made a mistake, but that isn't me. That's not what I want. I want us. I want a future. I am committed. I'm fully committed. We have to do this to God at the same, uh, at, as well. We get off of the track and we have to come back and we have to simply say, uh, I erred, I, I sinned, I, I consumed this moral filth, but that's not me. It's not what I want. It's not what I believe. It's not where I want to go, where I want to go. So I come back to receiving the implanted word that can save me and I lay this stuff aside. It's that simple. And we may have to do this over and over, just like in a marriage, over and over through the years. You might have to just say, you know, I thought we weren't going to fuss anymore, but I see we, we're not there yet. It's okay, as long as the commitment is there. So, let me just come back for one moment to the, to the, the kids' story here a, a little bit. And just mention the, the, the basic idea that he's talking about here. You know... The water is what we all need. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. And, and so, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. That's, that's a pretty powerful statement. It doesn't mean you will never have questions. It doesn't mean you'll never have temptations. But you will know where the answer to every one of them is. You will know where your life comes from. You will know that your faith is not in vain. You will never... Be so restless and hungry without any answer or clue again. If you drink the water I give you, Jesus said, you will never thirst again. It's wonderful. 
it's a wonderful thing to, to contemplate. Now, the water provides our life. We know that. It's, it, it enables us to live. We've got to have hydration. Okay. The job of the filter and the role of the filter is that it's not the water, but it lets the water be available to us, just like the Word of God isn't what saves us. It's the Holy Spirit that saves us. But the Word of God enables the Holy Spirit. It protects the Holy Spirit, in a sense, against all of the falsehood that Satan would use to bring against us. And of course, the job of the dirt, if I can put it that way, it's just to mess up everything. I mean, any way possible, the dirt is going to uh, clog up the filter. It's going to fl- shut off the flow of water. And you know, I mean, I'm just using a water filter. Or just think about your car. You got a fuel filter. You got a, a oil filter. Well, we use filters everywhere. There's filters in your furnace. Filters in your dryer. You got filters in your mask that you have on, and, and so forth. This is part of. This is an essential reality of our of our life. That there's something trying to kill us. There's something trying to destroy us. And we have to constantly keep a vigilance filter. Otherwise, this thing is going to clog it up until it stops it up. Um, Cindy and I have a well at our house. And we have, I have a thing just like this in our cellar. And it's amazing to me how the water, how the little tiny mud in our underground water will shut this baby up, shut it down. And I always know because you turn on the sink and the flow is getting low. It's getting lower. Like, time to change filter. And it's amazing to me when I change a filter, it's almost like I have a whole new pump. And, and nothing changed. I just got rid of the junk. That's all. And it was amazing how it's amazing how the thing takes off. In fact, more than once, Cindy's come home and said, you must change the water filter today. Like she knew, and I didn't tell her, and she didn't know, but she knew when she turned the spigot on because it was, it, there, was, there was a new life. And, and this is what James is, simply, is saying to us. That, um, you know, I had a guy, uh, there was a guy... Um, I can just put these up. This is this is what we need to do. I mean, we have to we have to respond against the negative, eliminate it, but we also have to receive what God has offered to us. There was a fellow, um, I don't know, maybe two months ago that that came talk to me, and he was dealing with some of the moral filth and some of this and that, and and he wanted to he wanted to get rid. He wanted to. He wanted the living water. And, uh, and so we prayed together. We talked and we prayed together. And I, I want to tell you, since that time, it's like, it's like turning on the, the spigot when the filter's been changed. He's different. He's radiant. I talked to him just the other day. And he said, my life is so different. What did he do? He just, he just came back and recognized that he messed up in his life and that he, he, he got a new filter. 
He changed the old filter out. Put a new filter in. And, and receives his life from this clear water that flows through it. And that's what James is re- reminding us to do. That some, sometimes, from time to time, though we might have, have put a filter in place before, we've got to come back and change the filter. Can we, can we just take a moment, pray together, and then I'd like for us to sing a closing song. Heavenly Father, it's a challenge to us and a realization for us that uh, even though what we need is You and there is no moral filth that You cannot cut Your way through, at the same time, You won't do that unless You know that this is what we want. Unless we call out to You and cry out to You and say, Oh God, cleanse me. Change my filter so that I can can be saved. I will do what I can. I will put in place the things that I can. I will read your word and seek to follow and obey it. But you are the water of life. We, We just thank you today that we can come to you. And even if the filter's gotten fairly clogged or even stopped up, it's never too late as long as we are alive, that we can come and say, you know, I don't even get any water through here anymore, but I'm taking it out. I'm getting rid of it because I want, I want the Word to be my filter and I want this life that God offers to me forevermore. This is who we are. This is, this is the joy that we come to learn and be reminded of today. O oh Lord, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.